Hello, folks. Welcome to Thanks for the Knowledge, Fanbyte's weekly news show, rounding up the headlines in games and entertainment in one handy podcast. I am your host, head of Fanbyte Media, John Warren. Hope you all have had a great week. I'm here to get you caught up with what you missed this week and to get you ready for what's to come. The biggest news this week was a big surprise from folks at Valve, so I sat down with our managing editor, Stephen Strom, to talk about it. Valve kind of stunned me this week when they announced the existence and the imminent release of the Steam Deck, a handheld Steam library device that is also so much more. And I definitely wanted to talk about this with Stephen Strom. So, Stephen, I we we got a look at this thing yesterday. We haven't had our hands on it like IGN does because they 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 do all the things to get stuff early. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I'm somebody who has tried to work with Valve before on getting information early and stuff. And let me tell you, uh, if they don't want to, they just won't. They just won't. Usually they don't want to. And usually by don't want to, I mean, like, literally nobody at Valve felt like doing anything that day. So they just didn't do it. (laughs) Yeah. I I think I feel like I bring this up every single time Valve comes up. But do you remember the handbook that they released a long time ago? This like employee handbook. They released an employee handbook that was talking about how their entire company is positioned. And it's like it's so flat and basically everyone can just do what they want. Everyone's got a desk that's on wheels and you just Mm. take your desk and you just go to whatever department you want to. And then you just work on whatever you want to. Um, and they also detailed their yearly cruise that they go on and things like that. I have no idea if any of that stuff is still true, but 10 years ago, they, they released that like it was a big brag, but it was kind of weird. Anyway, that's not important. Oh yeah, Yeah. (laughs) That's not not important. We want to talk about a different kind of deck, not a cruise ship deck, but the steam deck. Um, I was struck immediately, Steven, by the fact that all of the face buttons, except for the, uh the 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 track the touch pads which we could get into in a second it's all in a straight horizontal line across the face of this thing yeah um in in ign's preview they said it it's actually comfortable but this hurts my hands looking at it how do you feel about this layout i am of two minds about the layout because i don't I I am not somebody I've never understood why people are like, well, it's better if uh, the con- the control sticks, the analog sticks on the Xbox are asymmetrical yeah. because your hands are not asymmetrical. I don't get it. I have never understood that. So I'm not I, like I have no problems there. I'm surprised I haven't seen a ton of conversation about that, considering like anytime anybody talks about the PlayStation or the Xbox controllers, that's all anybody brings up. Yep. Um, as for the rest of it, like I used a Wii U gamepad like and that was fine. It was not the <laughs> optimal way to play stuff. Yeah. I will say this. The one thing that sticks really sticks out to me is this D pad is so close to it's the so left analog sticks. That yeah. part throws me for a loop really, yeah. really heavily because those two things are theoretically going to be doing either very similar things or vastly different things. Mm. And 
you don't want the your thumb to slide off and then click right on the D-pad at any time. Yeah. Um, as for the actual holding of the thing, I think the biggest issue for a lot of people is just going to be if you're not like broad in the chest, if your arms are not far apart, your and your hands are going to be like uh, stretched out wide holding this thing, which is incredibly heavy if you yeah. look at the specs. It, it is it is like uh, three fourths of a pound heavier than than the Nintendo Switch. Right. Yeah. So I think it's 0.88 pounds for the Switch, and I think it's like 1.5 or something for the Steam Deck. And it is, it, it this is a beefy, this is a beefy handheld. We joked that it looked like a Game Gear or a Sega Nomad, but it really does yeah. look like one of those. It um, really does look like those. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. It just, you know, obviously a much bigger screen. It's got, I think, a seven inch screen, which puts it just a little bit bigger than the Wii U gamepad, actually. Yeah. Uh, well, obviously way more bezel on this because so much of the, like all the computing is happening inside of the device instead of the other way around. Yeah. I, I'll also be incredibly in terms of like, not necessarily ergonomics, but in terms of just like how comfortable it is to be around for a long time. I'm very curious. The two things I'm most curious about are how hot does this thing get over time? Sure. Uh, because if you have a gaming laptop, uh, or if you've never used a little gaming laptop, rather, uh, those things, you set those on your lap and you're in to just burn yourself. You're, you're, mm-hmm. you might as well be pouring coffee on yourself like Kramer in that episode in the movie theater of Seinfeld. <laughs> you got to put the bomb on after you fucking drop the steam deck on your lap uh, by accident, uh, because yeah. those things get hot and this thing has a dedicated GPU as opposed to a lot of tablets and even phones these days can get real hot. If you're running something like Genshin impact yeah. on an iPhone. Yeah. My uh, iPhone gets hot. My iPhone 11 gets really hot after I play a game for, you know, half an hour or something. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's uh, maybe the place where this kind of like evens out because you won't be able to play a game for more than half an hour with this battery life is my understanding. <laughs> well, well, let's talk about, <laughs> let's talk about the battery life, but let's also, also talk about the guts of this thing because you mentioned that the dedicated GPU, uh, it's an AMD. It's a custom APU. Uh, yeah. It is optimized for handheld gaming. There's a Zen 2 RDNA 2 um, uh, uh, card. And so it's like, you know, they really are claiming you can run AAA games. And and let's let's talk about the central conceit of this thing. Basically, yeah. it's just total access to your Steam library and a handheld device that's running Linux. That's as simple as I can basically get it. We yeah, get it's into, a version of Linux, but yeah. It's a version of Linux, right? And Cause, so because Gabe loves Linux. He he does. Uh the the benefit to that if you're sitting there at home going, Okay, well, a lot of games in my Steam library aren't optimized for Linux, like you can't even play it on Linux. No big deal. Basically, Windows or Linux uh, builds of your games are going to work fine on this thing. Uh, if you have a Mac-only game on your Steam library, which like I can't even think of one off the top of my head, uh, it doesn't sound like you'll be able to do it. So you've got to basically have PC or uh, or Linux, uh, you know, Steam library games. But it's like it's it's your whole library. And when they announced that, I thought, okay. We can play Hades or like I could play Loop Hero or Fire. They do show Hades specifically. Yeah, specifically. Uh, Or like Fire Pro Wrestling, which is not super intensive, but it's like. Dota 2. Sure. Gosh, Steven. I can't. Valorant. I can't even think about you playing Dota 2 anywhere now. Um, (laughs) But uh, but but the other thing they were showing is like AAA games mid to hot. That's what they said. Mid to high spec. like control they showed control playing and with a with a nice frame rate and i don't know how much of that is magic to your point 
if you're playing a low intensity game, they say you can take this battery to seven hours, which I take that to mean probably four or five. Yeah, frankly, always uh, take battery life uh, like claims with a grain of salt with yeah. any device. Take, take, yeah, take your expectations down about forty percent. I think on battery life, but playing one of these triple A games like Control. I mean, you and I both are, I think, in agreement on this. I can't imagine you'll be able to play that totally portable for more than two hours. Yeah, two hours is the minimum that they put on the battery thing here. Like, they right. do a very funny thing, which a lot of tech people like to do these days, which is they they put up like a word that sounds like what you think it means, but it as doesn't actually think mean what you think it means. So if you go to the front page of like steamdeck.com or whatever, it says like 40 watt hours. And like the average person is probably going to look at that and say 40 hour battery life. That's great. And then in smaller <laughs> text underneath, it does say, uh, for, you know, if you're just streaming, it's like, uh, it's like seven to eight. Uh, yeah. and then it's like bottoms out at two, which is obviously a wild variation, but you can do very wildly different things on a PC because yeah. this is basically just a, laptop with a with the analog sticks strapped to it yeah um, and that and that's the thing that they really want you to realize and it, it is something that i think is genuinely working in their benefit is that this is a just a portable pc you can hook it up to a monitor and use it like a it's it's running a version of linux like steven said and you could basically just load stuff on it. If it's Linux compatible, you can, you know, they, they showed Chrome running on it. They showed a lot of stuff running on it. And that's, so, that's a fascinating piece of this. I feel, I like. feel, I feel like there are two, there, there are multiple caveats and also, yes. um, actually even cool things to the, to add to that yeah. too, that I've since seen in like other pieces and stuff that have gone up like caveat, I think to get it out of the way, we say like you can run basically any game on this. Uh, there's there's I think two big caveats with that. One is that there's a story on Rock Paper Shotgun earlier this morning, basically saying that uh, there are a lot of big, particularly online multiplayer games, Apex Legends being one of them, that use a form of anti cheat software that is not currently compatible with Linux. Mm. So currently, whenever we don't know Apex. You can't play Apex. There, there are a couple of different games. Um, I had a list, but like... You won't um, be able to play Valorant either, probably, right? Because probably not Valorant, because that has to install on the system level. It has to uh, install on the system level, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, which is... Or at least it did last time I played Valorant, which was yeah. about 20 years ago. Fortnite is also another big name on this list that uses an anti-cheat software that is not super compatible with um, with PC or with, with Windows. Right. Valve says they're working on it. Again, what when Valve says they're working on something, sometimes you get um, sometimes you get a Steam Deck announcement surprise, and sometimes you get an artifact. Yep. Uh, so who knows? <laughs> um, the other big caveat to this, I think, is like so this uh, this is another thing I'm always wary of whenever anybody announces anything. It started off by saying starting at four hundred dollars, sure. and at first, when they first put up this information, they did not have any uh, details on what that meant. But then an IGN story went up, uh, as you alluded to earlier, that included more information. So the actual numbers on it are: uh, it's four hundred dollars for the version that comes with sixty-four gigabytes of memory, which might as well not exist, a- and a carrying case, crucially. and a carrying case. Yes. Yeah, good point. <laughs> uh, and that's an EMMC drive, whereas the 
other two versions are uh, NVMe SSDs. Yeah. So you know, solid state drives, like hard actual hard drives, yeah. for two hundred and fifty six and uh, five hundred and twelve gigabytes a piece, going all the way up to six hundred and fifty dollars. Even five hundred and twelve gigabytes. I'm sure most people who are interested in buying this thing will probably know that that's not enough to do much. It's it's not enough to load. Like it, I could not load my current installs of of games on Steam on yeah. that device. I could absolutely. Not. I could do about half, which is like realistically, you know, when I look at my stream Steam library, there are things I just don't want to play on a handheld. Uh, um, you know that I I won't load onto that oh, system. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's still it's you know it's less than a terabyte. And if you're dealing with less than a terabyte um of storage on a modern console it's just really not enough i mean that's true i totally agree yeah. with that i think even a terabyte these days is is it's close. really yeah. cl- um, borderline i think the uh, playstation 5 and xbox series x which are 150 dollars less than this not obviously it's not apples and oranges because this is a handheld but they are less money for more storage right um devices that will also run in 4k and probably run a lot of games especially the xbox series x because that is also basically just a pc uh-huh. uh those are going to run a lot of the same games as this thing at the end of the day anyway, especially when you factor in because this is the other thing is like you can stream your steam games to the device. So the 64 gigabyte seems a lot better when you're just streaming uh, to it, but also most of your stuff, if you have game pass, most stuff already streams there. If you don't know it or not, like with through X cloud, that's true. So this gets to be like already starts to get kind of like murkier. You can get, one terabyte SSD, uh, micro SD cards. So that is actually something I'm very excited about that I, I'm actually kind of lauding Valve for on this one yeah, in particular. Just um, easy expansion. Easy, very easy expansion. It's just It just uses generic micro SD cards. No, and, you can, and you can play those games directly from the SD card. You don't have to do any sort of yes. transferring. Yeah, you cool. can like have multiple SD cards if you want and just slot them in like a Switch cartridge, just yep. what it sounds like, which is cool. Yeah, super cool. Um, it's cool and it's better than say what Sony does, which is we still don't, to my knowledge, have that white list of expandable storage hard drives yet. And I don't know if we ever will at this point. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's, it's a quick side note: only the Game Boy Advance has sold more uh, consoles than the PS5 in the same period of its release window, which is huh. absolutely insane to me because I like you you still can't find them anywhere, and there right. are basically no exclusives for it. But anyway, you're right. Um, it, it, other, other, other teams are not getting this right. And it seems like valve, um, yeah, for better or worse. Like I, I, I usually do not give them a lot of credit, but like, I think they've made some choices with this device that seem pretty cool. Even if I yeah. agree that the storage is a little bit leaving some to be desired, uh, especially at that price point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'll be really curious to see like how, you know, easily, they say you can play that stuff from it. I wonder if there are any sort of performance differences, but we'll we'll have to wait and see on that. Yeah, it's tough to say too, because right, there's also a dock uh, that is yes. going to be again, once again, sold like a Switch style dock that will once again be sold separately for this thing. Yep. Um, and I think that's also where things are going to get a little bit weird in some ways because once you have a dock, you are theoretically going to start trying to output this thing to a monitor and a yes. TV, and that. Right now, for a lot of people who are, like, enthusiast tech buyers, probably means they're going to want to try to run games at 4K. Right. Currently, this thing runs at 1280 by 800, which, 
pixel density like is different from resolution so that sounds like a low resolution but the actual density of the pixels from how far you're going to be holding this thing away from your face is actually pretty good oh it's going to look great i think as a handheld it's going to look wonderful Right. But where it gets tricky is, (laughs) again, if you spend the extra money on that dock and want to output it to a TV, that becomes a very strange proposition because the the hardware specs on this thing are not super high for a 4K. I don't think they're I don't think they're really prepared for 4K. No, really. Not in this model. It seems like no, no. Uh, This is uh, most of the specs on this thing are sub like Xbox Series S. Yes. Which is the non-4K version of the Xbox Series X, right? right. Like, that's kind of how they've marketed that. Which, if one of the big console manufacturers is like, we're going to release a handheld that's just under the Xbox Series S, I'm going, oh, wow, like, that's really exciting. So it's like, yeah. I do want to, like, I do want to stress that there is something really interesting about this value prop, I feel like, because you yeah. can play a lot of games that are already on console, but there are also just a lot of games, especially ones that are mouse use intensive that have just never been on console and never will be probably. And that's kind of an interesting thing. And you have these touchpads on the front that are supposed to, you know, replicate the mouse experience. I don't know how effective or good that's going to be. I've never played with one I mean, one Valve of... promises it's good this time, unlike the Steam controller, where right. it was very, very bad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, the, the IGN preview was, I think, fairly honest about some stuff that they didn't like, but they also said that the mouse stuff actually worked surprisingly well. They showed some uh, gameplay of Portal 2 where you have to, like... But the thing is, is that you have to basically work three different controls in tandem to use a mouse the way that you would do it. And then the review, the preview guy was like, after a few minutes, this became okay to use or whatever. So that, that told me that like this mouse stuff may not be the most natural thing, especially if you're talking like a first person shooter that you are inexplicably playing with this touchpad setup instead of the thumbsticks. Yeah. Um, I I mean, you can talk to any like this is not something I've dealt with in a long time. But if you talk to any artist, the difference between using like a Wacom and a Cintiq, right? Like having direct control over what you see and feel is just a completely different experience than like trying to manipulate something separately with touch from a distance. It's like trying to draw like the way I heard like I, I used to hear webcomic artists talk about it is it's like trying to draw with a bar of soap. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little tricky. Um, but yeah, the, the hub will be sold separately, or the dock, I should say. Um, it'll have like a LAN port and obviously uh, uh, visual ports and power and some USB stuff. Um, yeah, US, it's got HDMI and DisplayPort. Yep, which is neat. Theoretically, you could use this with like an Oculus if you wanted to use Steam VR. I think. Right, yeah. Yeah, I it mean, I guess... It doesn't the, have that power, I bet, but... I, I guess the versatility of this first try because i have to imagine if this does well they'll start to iterate on it i'm I'm guessing yeah um like there's some versatility there that i'm i'm pretty excited about and i think one of the things that they never said explicitly for i think very obvious reasons but became very apparent to uh anyone that has just been on the internet and playing games for a few years um you'll be able to load emulators onto this system you'll be able to load a lot of Linux-based uh, game emulators for a lot of different uh, systems on this console, and you can basically have your Steam library and then a big library of 
uh, totally unsupported ROMs for, for stuff that you want to play. And I don't know, like, I think I started to think about that and I was like, I don't know. I, I, I actually think this is not a terrible deal. No, I don't think it's a terrible deal for what it is either. I'm just inherently skeptical. And, and I am too. Especially of first generation hardware. Yeah. Um, from any from from companies in particular that I think have like bad track records with this stuff. I think we saw this with Google Stadia. People got excited for Google Stadia, and the first thing like a lot of other people did were like, look at Google, whatever, whatever. Look at the look at the seventy seven yeah, different they, things. They, yeah, because there's yeah. an entire website dedicated to the things that they shut down super fast. So yeah, right. They don't sell Steam Links anymore, you know. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know if they still sell Steam controllers. Maybe they do. Um, but they were they blew out their supply of Steam Links and were like, "Well, we're done with that," and yeah. sold them for five dollars. Um, and I honestly like the Steam Link. Okay, I like it in very specific use case, um, yeah. which is both of them hardwired up in different rooms uh, using Ethernet cables, and even then, it's not perfect. Um, this does have Ethernet, which is interesting. Like just like the new Switch OLED, it, it finally has an Ethernet port on a handheld, which is fun. Yeah. Um, so that makes the uh, concept of streaming a lot in- more interesting uh, because streaming games over Wi-Fi is a very different proposition it's, than streaming them over a LAN. Yeah, it's pretty different. Yeah. Um, I also I, I think it is mutually because it uses SteamOS, which is that. Uh, it uses a new version of SteamOS, which is itself a version of Linux. I think that the idea of using, maybe I'm wrong about this, but I think the idea of using emulators and stuff, maybe there are Linux-based uh, emulators that will just work on here. Um, but I think to do most of stuff that is not in the Steam ecosystem, I think that is mutually exclusive because I do think you need to, and this is cool that they even allow this, <laughs> like the <laughs> like a reverse version of the uh, PS3, you can uninstall Linux if you want yeah. and wipe it and just replace it with just flat Windows. And yeah. they say, hey, it's not going to run as well because this thing is optimized to be used with Steam OS. Right. But I'll be very curious. I'm probably not going to do that, but somebody is like Digital somebody Foundry is going, is going to do that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And see how like Game Pass games run natively on this thing. Right. Yeah, they're they're gonna they're gonna split an uh, a, a Mac OS and a Windows build on this thing and try to do uh-huh. weird shit with it. I'm sure that they will. But yeah, it's like it is a weird. I mean, it, it's just a little computer. It's a little computer you hold in your hands, and I think it has like, sticks on it. Yeah, and it's got sticks on it, and I think like um, it's got and 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 the thing that they do well. Um, I again credit where credits due. Uh, remappability of like the the face buttons, the triggers, the four back buttons, which they've included. Right. It's a little bit like a uh, Xbox Elite uh, controller. Yeah. Um, they, they this thing is not you know handhelds are tricky for folks with disabilities anyway. But the fact that you can basically re- remap the entire thing really really custom um, is at least pretty cool. It's something that uh, other handheld consoles like don't do as well. I feel like so. <laughs> Totally. Um, yeah. It's, it's pretty cool. Um, um, I mean, uh, iPhones even are kind of a hassle to get uh, or were a hassle to get certain controllers and stuff up and running on forever. Yeah, yeah, for sure. This does um, also have Bluetooth. So presumably yeah. you can just like plug in a DualShock 5 or something. Yeah, into probably. It, I would hope. Uh, yeah, I mean, big it, picture. It, see, it seems that way. I mean, they didn't go into every single um every single permutation of what you could do with this thing but yeah it's uh i don't know it's it's it seems pretty versatile uh 
they will uh these will ship in December. Um December, yeah. And unless there's some sort of delay, obviously. I mean, but but they basically announced this this week and the pre-orders by the time you're listening to this are live for folks who have bought something on Steam uh more than a month ago, I think it yeah. is. So if you're if you're either a brand new Steam customer who's interested in buying with this, which, which I don't who, think that person the, exists. Who, yeah, I was about to say, I don't know who that person is, but yes. Uh, presumably it is being done to curb uh, scalpers and speculation markets and stuff like that, because we've seen a lot of that with. Um, I mean, that's just a thing now that that's just one of the hot new things to do is just like it's every it's everywhere from Pokemon cards to yep. Magic the Gathering to Yu-Gi-Oh to shoes to PlayStation 5s to, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic, it was toilet paper, right? Right. Yeah. Um, God, spe- remember that? Yeah, I do. Uh, <laughs> grim, grim times. Um, speaking of scarcity and uh, scalpers, uh, there, there are also some caveats if you want to reserve this thing. You have to pay to reserve it. I think it's five dollars, so it's not like yeah, five dollars. It's it's not you know it's not a crazy amount. Um, you can still cancel your reservation if you want. Uh, and, and I'll gladly give you that money back in the form of Steam trading cards. <laughs> you get to open that little inbox and unlock all those little trading cards. <laughs> um, and. Uh, they're limiting one per customer. Obviously, that has not stopped uh, bots and scalpers doing some other stuff uh, to to circumvent that, but that they do seem to be taking at least some steps to make that a little bit harder for folks to just hoard these things. So, yeah. yeah. Um, by the time you listen to this, who knows? It could be all sold out. This could have been a disaster. We have no idea. Uh, we're recording this about 15 minutes before they're supposed to go uh, uh, up. Uh, yeah, for I'm waiting for this button to switch from gray to blue I'm or whatever. Same here. Because um, I'm going to get one. I, I, I want to get one, too. Yeah, that was going to be my next question. Like, what what about this is exciting to you, Steven Strom, as a video game player? I am. Well, I have never been. So I'm in a unique position because I'm in a, uh, you know, comparatively mathematically unique place in the country i don't live in la or new york like a lot of other people in uh the fanbite network um i live in fargo north dakota or uh, don't you know and uh uh i don't have a commute i never have really had a commute outside of when i'm at uh, events and stuff like that so the use case for undocking say the switch uh, for instance, has always been I want to play it from a couch or play it in another room, play yep. it in bed, stuff like that. Then um, less so for the other stuff. I actually almost miss the times when I was a kid and we used to just go on road trips all the time. And I would just have I was just two hours in a car with me and my Game Boy Color. And yeah. <laughs> there is a certain nostalgia for that. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, um, of course. But I don't think that's going to be happening anytime soon, necessarily, and not in this particular capacity. So it it will be mostly the idea of being able to not be locked into a desk where I'm already locked into for work all day for certain games. And just being able to, like, relax on a couch and and play this in my hands. Maybe somebody else is using the TV for something else. Like, maybe I can throw Clone Wars on or something. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it's very funny that on Wednesday, on uh, when we recorded this week's episode of 99 Potions, we talked about games that are hard to get into. And we mentioned the Trail series, which is right. only available on uh, – only completely available, I should say, on Steam. And yes. we kind of laughed and had a chuckle and said, wow, wouldn't it be great if they just put all of these on Switch? And then a, a calendar day later, uh, this was announced and – 
I started to kind of review the things that are pretty much PC exclusives, or at least the most, the best place you can find them is on Steam. Um, like Dota 2. Like Dota 2, or like I mentioned it earlier, like Fire Pro Wrestling. If you play it on PS4, the system of getting uh, new created wrestlers that the community creates onto the system is one yeah. of the worst uh, systems I've ever seen. But mm-hmm. through the Steam Workshop, it's not that bad. And right. so you're starting to see these like, oh, okay, well, the best place to play this on is on PC. Right. Uh, and that, you know, I could I could mention that for 10 or 15 games probably off the top well, that's, of my head. That's but, honestly, the, that's the thing I've seen mentioned elsewhere, too, is just like even ignoring like, say you run whatever Skyrim at medium settings. So right. it looks like the PlayStation version of the game. Sure. Or the Xbox version of the game, as opposed to the PC, you still get access to mods, you which you do mod. not yeah, like this is a this is a handheld device, like a switch like device that suddenly now has Steam Workshop support for a lot of games. Yeah. And you can do a lot more stuff with the, some of that stuff. I'm curious because um, there are certain games like actually Skyrim is a and and most of the Bethesda games, in fact, are a weird outlier because they don't have Steam Workshop support because they want you to use their creative club or whatever. Um, so I'm curious to see how it handles third party mods, like mods from like Nexus mods or something like that, which is where a lot of people get that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a different proposition. This feel as we, as we talk about this more, it feels like a hobbyist dream, right. To get, to get it working. Cause maybe out like out of the box, this doesn't work, but maybe give it three months Yeah, and, and then folks might be able to figure out ways to get Nexus mods and other third party stuff onto the system a little bit easier. So, right. It just depends on market penetration and all all other things. It's like if it's successful, if it's really successful, I can see this thing being I, I don't know. I hate I think this is overused, but kind of a game changer. Like if folks really sure. want to, like, think about, oh, OK, well, it's time to get a console. It's a new generation. Uh, but I can't, you know, I can't find a graphics card right now to save my life because right. the crypto miners have gotten thing. it. Uh, a full, a full tower PC to build yourself is still really fucking expensive. Um, yeah. and it's, it's unbearable right now. The, the shortage, yeah. uh, the chip shortage right now is obviously all over the fucking news. Uh, right. it's a hot button issue that like people can like, like the chip shortage. I can't buy my Kia Sorento or whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, it's nuts. And so I can kind of see this as being, um, you know, kind of an opportunistic uh, like that's an, the thing it's it's a little opportunistic and i don't mean that in a bad way it's like you swoop in and you see you see an opportunity you do your own custom thing yeah and if it works well then i can kind of see this being a pretty major thing if it had been it's so weird and this will be the last thing i say about it but it's yeah like, yeah yeah it, it's so weird it's like if this had been nvidia yeah i would have written it off yeah it's weird. Absolutely. It's weird that Valve's track record has not been good for this. And yet we're all kind of I mean, I think most of us honestly kind of did the same thing where we saw this thing. We kind of had a chuckle. Then we kind of saw what was under the hood and then thought about the possibilities. And we're like, this is actually kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and and, I, you know, so I'm just curious because I do feel like we've seen other things like this before, but not quite as official and versatile as this before. That's so. the thing. Like if you go back to, and I was obviously like a placenta when this happened, but like the <laughs> stories I hear are that like, you go back to when the PlayStation one was announced, right? 
people were like, who the fuck are you? Like, you guys make <laughs> fucking Discman right. or whatever. Like, uh-huh. yeah, like, you guys worked with Philips on that CDI or whatever, didn't you? Yeah. Like, fuck off. Mm-hmm. And then people saw the games and were like, ah. ah right. Battle Arena Toshinden, you say. Right. Um, and it was like, over. But, you know, obviously there is such more of a saturation. There is a general higher floor of sa- of consumer savviness, even if I think there's also a higher ceiling of consumer sycophancy um, to go along with that. So it's not just enough to have a thing that works. You need to also like, you need to also have some kind of in. And I think Steam is an in for a lot of people. Like the idea that like, you know, a lot of people probably already own their, have their own Steam libraries and stuff like that and have their own huge things. And you tell them that they can suddenly play all of that stuff in one place on the go. And that is a big deal. Yeah, it's a really big deal. Um, I, I'll be super interested, interested to see how this pans out. But uh, yeah, it sounds like you and I will both be grabbing one. So we'll... Uh... Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I hope the, it doesn't explode, I guess. Yeah, I know. I know. It's it's wild. Uh, not, a, not a high bar, I guess. But, but yeah, I hope it doesn't explode. All right. Listen, the last time I turned on my Steam link, my computer crashed so hard that I had to reinstall <laughs> up my OS. So who knows? Anything's possible. Oh, I'm not gosh. saying they're connected, but I'm not not saying they're connected either. <laughs> you hear what I'm saying? <laughs> Legally, man, I can't say that they're connected, but you know what I'm saying. Gabe just Gabe just turned Gabe just gave us a one star review on Apple <laughs> Podcast. Uh, <laughs> thanks for talking to me about this, Stephen. Of course, thank you for having me. Valve's big hardware news is not the only thing that happened in games this week of course so let's go around the horn uh capcom announced this week that reverse the intended packing multiplayer game for resident evil village has been delayed even further instead of coming out this summer uh like they originally announced after the first delay it is now being said that it will come out in 2022 the team took to twitter to say quote the previously announced july 2021 launch of resident evil reverse is being moved to 2022 so that the team can continue working to deliver a smooth gameplay experience we will share updated launch details at a later time thank you for your patience and understanding end quote uh if you got resident evil village uh reverse is actually included in physical copies of that game uh capcom in uh response to the fact that those codes are out there uh say say you either need to keep track of them until next year or go ahead and redeem them I don't really see any reason not to redeem it if you are interested in this game. So go in, redeem that code. Ghostwire Tokyo is Tango Gameworks' big AAA game that we saw a bit of at E3 2019, and not much since then, frankly, uh, is moving from late 2021 to early 2022. Uh, If you recall, Tango Gameworks is actually now owned by Bethesda, which is, of course, owned by Microsoft, but there is an exclusivity deal for Ghostwire Tokyo to appear on PlayStation 5. It could be the final Microsoft game that ends up being a PlayStation exclusive, at least for a time. Deathloop is another one of those that's going to show up on PS5 and then have it about a year-long exclusivity period before presumably showing up on Xbox and other consoles. We will keep an eye on the story, and obviously, if we see any more of this game, we will be sure to cover it. 
Ubisoft has not had the best year, I would say, uh, and it's getting more complicated by the moment. Uh, two of their biggest games of 2021, Writers Republic and Rainbow Six Extraction, are both going to face delays. Writers Republic's delay is not that hefty. Uh, it was scheduled to come out on September 2nd, and it's been pushed to October 28th, so that's not too bad. It's that open-world extreme sports game that honestly looks really cool. If it looks as cool as the trailers do, I definitely think we'll be playing a lot of that. Uh, Rainbow Six Extraction is the multiplayer zombie game uh, based on the popular Rainbow Six franchise, of course. Uh, they uh, that, that game was actually supposed to come out in 2020, then it got delayed to 2021, and now it is coming out on January 22nd, 2022. Uh, Ubisoft's delays have been uh, pretty uh, frequent at this point, uh, and they've also been embattled because of their toxic workplace culture. Uh, speaking of which, uh, several high-ranking officers in Ubisoft are actually named in a harassment complaint in a French court um, that came out this week. Uh, Kotaku got a copy of the uh, complaint, but folks like uh, Yves Guillemot and uh, Serge Hesquet and Tommy Francois, uh, these folks have been named in this complaint uh, saying that they have uh, em uh, emboldened a toxic, sexist work environment for a long time. Uh, a lot of the, uh, some of the offenders uh, that that might be uh, named in this report have actually been removed from the company. But recent reports have stated that most Ubisoft employees are still pretty uncomfortable and upset with the way things have been handled for a while. Of course, with all of these game announcements, Ubisoft really doesn't address any of this stuff at all. Whenever they do address it, it's all vague. It's all, hey, we're doing good. We hear you, blah, 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 blah. Uh, but it seems like this is not going away. It seems like there's a lot of pressure from both the public and also internally at Ubisoft for things to get better. And I just don't see any sign of it getting better, but we will keep an eye on it, of course. The, uh, the Xbox is a pretty cool system, the Xbox S, X and S, of course, and uh, it, it's shaping up pretty nicely in comparison to PlayStation 5. Still, they're both boxes that play roughly the same thing. But uh, if PlayStation 5 has one big edge on Xbox, it is a, a very cool DualSense controller. Uh, and the Xbox controller has roughly been the same for many years. It's a good controller, but it doesn't have a whole lot of bells and whistles. That could change. Uh, in an interview with the Kind of Funny Gamecast, Phil Spencer said uh, a dedicated VR headset is probably not in the cards for them, but the company is looking at the DualSense and taking some notes. Uh, he was quoted as saying, quote, we're definitely thinking about different kinds of devices that can bring more games to more places. There's probably some work that we'll do on the controller. I think Sony's done a nice job with their controller, and we kind of look at some of that and think there are things that uh, we should do. Uh, but we're probably not in the more bespoke accessories place right now. We just look at what happens on Windows and other places to see if there's a unique opportunity for us. Right now, I don't think there's anything that's obvious to me, end quote. So while we may not see some sort of major overhaul or a, quote, bespoke accessory, although they do make bespoke accessories, I'm not really sure why Phil Spencer said it that way, um, uh, well, it, they may not do something huge with the controller, but it sounds like they may do some things like haptic feedback in the future, which would be an interesting addition to that ecosystem. 
If you're hoping for a long line of Judgment games like Yakuza got from RGG Studio, you may be disappointed to hear that after Lost Judgment comes out, they may not make another game in the series for kind of a bizarre reason. Uh, if you are not aware of the Yakuza games and Judgment games, uh, use the likenesses and voices of uh, several different Japanese uh, actors, TV personalities, uh, professional wrestlers, etc. Uh, they uh, one of those actors is uh, Takuya Kimura, who is the face and voice of the main character of the Judgment series, Takayuki Agami. Now, Kimura is represented by represented by a talent agency called Johnny and Associates, and of course, Johnny and Associates actually very closely monitors and controls the likeness of Kimura. Uh, there is a rift between Sega and Johnny and Associates, a rift that we don't totally know the details of, but a rift nonetheless. And if they cannot secure the rights for Kimura's likeness to continue to be uh, Takayuki Agami, then there may not be other uh, games in the series. Now, of course, they could set up a judgment game to not feature that character at all, but that's kind of the central conflict. It would be a little bit like replacing Kiryu with a totally different character halfway through the Yakuza series. So that may not happen. Uh, using the uh, likeness of an actor, a real person has gotten some folks in hot water before. Obviously uh, when folks started to mod cyberpunk 2077 to have sex with Keanu Reeves, uh, that posed this, uh, a certain problem. Um, David Cage has had a long, long problem of dealing with uh, real actors in a kind of strange way. Uh, Elliot Page uh, was a victim of some weird stuff when uh, when he worked on Beyond Two Souls with David Cage. Uh, it's just kind of a weird landmine, especially when likenesses are controlled by these agencies. Anyway, uh, we hope for a resolution to this because the Judgment series is a really interesting game series. It's got a little bit of a different tone than Yakuza, but continues that beat-em-up and investigation style that is uh, a pretty nice uh, uh, change of pace from the Yakuza series, although there are definitely a lot of similarities between them. Uh, we will keep an eye on this story, and uh, yeah, let's get you ready for the week ahead. I'm trying to make things right with The Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword HD, a game that I had a lot of problems with when it came out because of some motion control issues and my range of motion issues. And now that HD is out, I can change that control scheme and play it a whole lot. That was the highlight of this past week. But what about the week ahead? There's a lot coming out that I need to catch you up on. Uh, a game called Cotton Reboot, which is coming to PS4 and Switch, is coming out on July 20th. Uh, Chris Tales, uh, a beautiful RPG uh, with some interesting mechanics, comes to PC, PS5, Xbox X and S, PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and Google Stadia, if you're so inclined, uh, also on July 20th. If you are a Frostpunk fan, then I, if especially on console, PS4 and Xbox One, you are getting The Last Autumn on the Edge and the Rifts DLC all on July 21st. That is a lot of new content for that game on console. So if you're into that game, that's a big day for you, July 21st. On July 22nd, the uh, really interesting narrative adventure game Last Stop is coming to uh, PC, PS5, Xbox X, and S 
PS4, and Xbox One, as well as Switch, on July 22nd. Uh, Akiba's Trip, Hellbound, and Debriefed is PS4 and Switchbound on July 23rd. Observer System Redux comes to PS4 and Xbox One on July 23rd. And Orcs Must Die 3 comes to PC, PS4, and Xbox One on July 23rd. What about streaming services? On Netflix, we have uh, just a couple of things. We have Masters of the Universe Revelation, which is a continuation of all the He-Man stuff. Cool. Also, Django Unchained comes to the service on July 24th. On uh, on Hulu, we have Olympic Dreams featuring the Jonas Brothers, which is a special about the Olympics. If you're into the Olympics, even though the Olympics are pretty depressing at this point uh and finally on july 21st on disney plus we have the pilot episode of the turner and hooch television show that's right turner and hooch baby hey let's check in with paul uh my wonderful producer wrap this episode and maybe every episode from now on by checking in with my wonderful producer paul tamayo hi paul hey what's up john how much uh i know what you've been up to though you've been watching yeah. the races you've been <laughs> watching those, the steel ponies I can't stop <laughs> what's going on in f1 Oh, so yeah, this is the first weekend. So if you're hearing this on Sunday, it's race day. But this is the first time that they're trying out sprint qualifiers, yeah. which are like, it's a different way of determining who gets what position on the starting grid before the race. Uh, well, at the start of the race, I guess. And typically the way it works is Friday is like uh, a couple sessions of practice. So the drivers literally go out on the track and get a feel for it, test out the car and do all that kind of good stuff. Then on Saturday is one more round of practice and a typical round of qualifiers, which are three rounds that determine uh, all the all the drivers get out on the track and try to basically set a the fastest lap they, they can. Yeah. And based off of that, they determine the starting grid for Sunday. But because F1 has been uh, kind of getting a lot of new viewers, including myself, I just started watching at the top of this year because of, you know, a lot of folks have been watching Netflix's drive to survive their their documentary series on formula one and they're just this is like a, a sort of attempt to um just make the whole weekend exciting more yeah. exciting because usually folks just uh tune into sunday which is the big race and i think I, i'm also assuming it's probably a way to increase ticket sales now that uh things are opening back up again it was actually kind of wild after last year's um you know, because of the pandemic, um, a lot of the tracks were, the stands were empty. So it just, it just felt really bizarre to not have that energy there. And, uh, this, this weekend is the, the British, uh, Grand Prix. So it's in Silverstone and the stands were full. They were like full of folks and they were all cheering. It was, it was kind of wild to see. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's, 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 uh, it's, it's cool. It's, it's, it's so much fun to watch. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> this morning during our, our morning meeting, I was like, had it on my monitor full screen <laughs> while I was like, you know, paying attention for sure. But, uh, yeah, oh, for it's, sure. It's, you were paying yeah. attention for sure. 100%. Yeah. No, that's, that's awesome. Um, yeah, this is still something like I'm, I've been slow to catch up on, but I, I at least have the F1 series on Netflix, like kind of queued up. Like it's in my, it's in my, like, Hey, watch these next two few things next, uh, yeah. list. So I want to get on the train. It's just been, 
it's been it's been a, a long long road um <laughs> yeah so lewis hamilton how did he do this morning he's uh he got uh first uh well i guess pole position for the actual sprint qualifier so he mm-hmm. got in first position and uh ahead of his current rival who is max verstappen a, a young dutch driver who is uh who's in, in a arguably at the moment at least a more powerful car the red bull oh, car wow. which is powered by a honda engine or a power unit as they're referred to in f1 <laughs> uh sorry for my uk listeners um so yeah it's been actually a lot of fun to see that battle play out which which you get a taste of in in drive to survive which I have been. I mean, a, a lot of folks are divided on it, especially like long-term fans. A lot, a lot of long-term fans are also, are also divided on sprint qualifiers because it's yeah. you know it's a change to a format that's been the same way for you know decades and decades. So any kind of change is always going to meet some kind of resistance. So th- this is kind of a test run to see how it goes. But yeah, I've I've been telling everyone to watch Drive to Survive as a and also t- sort of like tempering their expectations because the show mostly deals with behind the scenes stuff and a lot of it is like fabricated drama so it's i i just i, I sort of sell it as like if vanderpump rules was about rich <laughs> race car drivers um because you know that they're servers at sexy unique restaurant but they're also you know they're in on <laughs> they're, it you know they're being yeah they're produced totally in, in on it yeah editors yeah the editors are doing their thing so we actually have a really good um episode on it for you love to see it if, yeah, if, if you wind good. up catching up on all three seasons and there's such an easy watch because each episode is like 30 minutes and, yeah um it's just real quick really really easy to binge but yeah i uh i love f1 i guess i'm like a a, a super fan now i'm going to a ra- i'm going to the uh the um what is it called the uh the race of the americas or something in, like that it's in the austin uh, outside the, austin right yeah in austin so That's i'm gonna amazing. be i'm going to texas for the first time yeehaw Yeehaw. And uh, I'm going to try not to, you know, be an obnoxious New Yorker down there, which I won't be. I think I'll be all right. But, you you um, couldn't be more obnoxious than an Austinite. So it's fine. <laughs> OK, cool. Noted. Good. Uh, Austin, Austin listeners, turn off your radios five minutes yeah. ago. Um, skip ahead. Skip ahead. Skip ahead. Uh, no, you're good. I'll give you some barbecue recommendations. Yes, please. I'm yeah. also excited about that because I feel like half the time I travel, it's it's for food. Yeah. Um, so that's going to be a large part of my trip. That's exciting. Uh, another thing I know you've been watching is Love Island. Um, oh God, yeah. I <laughs> I've watched I've watched one season of Love Island. I I I really want to know. Have they done anything to change the formula of this show? Uh, su- subtle things. I yeah. Mean, like, there are things that you that you'll come. What, what season did you watch, by the way? I think the very first one. Uh, oh, so that, that's what's interesting. Is like the first, like I guess few seasons um there there was less of a, an expectation or like um they understood the game less because obviously it was like brand, brand new, new so the rules were kind of being written as they yeah. were doing it and a lot of it was very much like way more um kind of <laughs> I, I i'd say unhinged um sure to the point where yeah i think over time it's, it's kind of tragic actually I, i'd mentioned it previously on on another show i was on i forget which one but about how they've had to like really course correct because they've had people leave the show with like real big like uh just like long lasting emotional trauma trauma yeah Yeah. because it's it's tough it's like you know reality shows are are kind of cruel and yeah like zoom out far enough yeah but um so the new season uh they they do have like you'll even see in the credits like they have like mental health advisors and stuff on staff to help with with you know with, with whatever may come up but um 
Yeah, you can tell. Like, I mean, I, I think the 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 way it works now. I, you could listeners will probably know. I'm a big fan of of competition here. I guess uh, amongst the uh, the <laughs> finest athletes around the world, a lot of British athletes too. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's uh it's interesting the way in which they they sort of understand the the roles and and there's even like lingo that's that's tossed around that's very like it's kind of just become like a script at this point like they say a lot of the same shit like put put all your eggs in one basket or like you know uh <laughs> they're just like a bunch of different things but yeah so they they do kind of anticipate things but the producers are of course just like these really cruel masterminds that are still throwing in some surprises by by way of like how they introduce new members into onto the villa and how they try to like very specifically um split up certain couples or whatever so because you can tell like there's one guy who's like yeah i love you know i love uh i love blonde women or whatever and then it's like (laughs) oh surprise there's two blonde women (laughs) it's like (laughs) coming onto the villa and it's uh it's it's just so much fun to watch like hot people have existential crises and (laughs) and just like you know just like just see them in real time understand that like oh wait i am not the hottest person here anymore here oh no right yeah i have to sort of like dig deep now and i don't know (laughs) show show something more but it's fun it's 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 like a it was just a guilty pleasure i picked up over the pandemic as well and uh yeah it's just it's there's also the american one currently running which i'm we're kind of waiting to to watch because i think me and my partner only have enough mental bandwidth for one love island at a time yeah i think that's fair because they run for like a really long time yeah yeah yeah, it's like it's it's a ton of contestants too. It's like in like uh, like thirty something contestants by the end of it, and like yeah. yeah, these are like like I think Survivor is like thirty five days. Like these are like forty eight, like fifty two days. <laughs> yeah, of, it's, of it's show. Intense. It's wild. Yeah. It's really wild. And halfway um, through, they're like, "Oh, there's you know twelve cast members," and there's like, "Guess what? There's another villa with." 12 more cast members and now we're, we're gonna even it's just like at this point it has become like fast and furious or just like what you know okay vin diesel's just gonna run on this truck and then like he's master chief now i don't know it's just it's basically gone kind of wild which is good which is good there's always a villa there's always a lighthouse um <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it's like i i and i don't know and I, I apologize to our, our, our British listeners, but it's like I want to try to pin this down. Like trashy American TV in this vein is I, you know, I think like it's a very specific kind of thing. I think British trashy TV has a different flavor. Yeah. And I don't think I really have the vocabulary to explain what I mean by that. But yeah, do you agree, though? It is different. It's very different. I mean, I feel like I'm not sure. I mean, I guess like in some ways, I, I mean, I, I don't even know. I don't know the history of reality television because, you know, they've also had it for. Oh, they've had it. Yeah, they've they, they really started a lot of the modern stuff. I feel like like Big Brother sure. was like a big one. Yeah. 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 And I, I so I feel like a lot of it is what I find interesting from like an outsider's perspective is when they, when they get to talk about talking about like where they're from and uh, you know, uh, Oh, you're like a seven hour drive from me. Oh my God. That's so far away. And for me, I'm like, what? (laughs) That's like, that's nothing. Like that's like, (laughs) that's one rest stop and we're Gucci. Like that's not even a big deal. Um, 
But for them, it's like that's a that's a whole different you know world. I mean, it's the same thing here, but you know, a six hour drive really ain't that bad if you're from the United States. Which right. is interesting to also watch the American version of the show because you know they they're they're dealing with a whole other set of like you know uh, societal pressure and different dynamics when it comes to you know obviously the cast tends to lean mostly white still, but. Yeah. Um, there's still there's still folks from different backgrounds mostly and from different parts of the country that are vastly different you know someone from new york is going to be vastly different from somebody from uh you know texas or, or california so sure. we still have those kind of dynamics happening but yeah the the british ones in particular there 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 definitely is a different kind of like i'm not sure i mean like i guess uh you know i guess life's just different when you got good healthcare and shit. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, it's, I don't know. It's like, it's somehow mostly even less aware. I think of, I don't know. It's, it's very hard to explain. And I think a lot of it probably has to do with like, you know, being used to so much like American hubris that like British hubris just yeah. seems totally different, but it's like, yeah. yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's such a, I don't know. It's like whatever you have, like American cooking shows, and I feel like the British equivalents always turn things down a little bit, you know, in terms of like the sure. intensity, which like that's why like British Bake Off is so like, you know, kind of lovely to watch. It's, it's yeah. very, feels very low stakes. I I honestly think that romance shows in the UK turn things up like a notch or two, um, mm. which to which, you know, to your point about like the mental health stuff, like I think like. Love Island was a very intense show for people based on the way that like the fans would pick up on stuff and like the way that folks would leave this. And there have been like deaths related to yeah. the show. And like, it just seems very odd. Like they've had to make some changes to the show, like basically because of this stuff, which uh, I don't know, maybe speaks to a little bit of what I'm saying. Although I don't know if any of that stuff is true, if it's actually more intense or if I, if, if or if the accent is throwing me, who knows? It's probably that too. <laughs> it's probably that too. Um, real quick before we go, I know you grabbed the uh, Street Rage Four Mister X Nightmare DLC. Uh, yeah. How you liking that survival survival mode so far? Oh, I, I'm actually. So when I first read about it, I was like, oh, I saw the trailer. I was like, right. I'm not sure if I'm gonna really love this. Like, yeah, it's survival I, I mean, loved, mode. Like, what? Well, yeah. It sounds so boring, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, I'm not sure if I'm going to really be into this. And but I, I did love Hades and I love the sort of like I can love that, you know, live, die, repeat formula. Mm-hmm. But I then but then playing Streets of Rage four with my partner, we, we both love to play the game together. Um, I first of all, you had already told me that it was it was pretty good. Yeah. And then Imran also chimed in and was like, yeah, it's actually pretty good. And then I was like, well, why didn't anybody tell me we got codes? I'm not gonna hold yeah. it against anybody, but uh, I should play it. <laughs> but no, but seriously. So then I, so then I, I started playing it last night with my partner, and it makes so much sense in the Streets of Rage yeah. formula that like I was surprised that I hadn't seen something like this before. At least it might, it may exist somewhere else. I'm not entirely sure, but um, at least in this case, with um, a lot of the throwbacks to like old stages and like the old music and yeah. the. the the way in which, like, you know, you both have to pick power-ups and you can sort of strategize around that. Like, oh, I need more defense, so let me double up on this one. And, you know, next time you'll get two in a row. Or um, There's a lot of, like, depth there that I wasn't expecting. And yeah. um, 
yeah, some of the new characters are really dope. It's just like, yeah. I love that game across the board. I'm a huge, huge Streets of Rage fan. And yeah, it's just cool to see them uh, playing with it in, in, a, in a fun way. I, I kind of hope they continue to, I mean, it, it makes me excited about the TMNT uh, yeah. game that they're also working on because I'm like, okay, so if, if they're starting to think about, I mean, originally I think the base game was, here's what's so good about Streets of Rage. We're not going to muddy it up too much because, right. you know, Here's what you here's what you really want, and I was like, yeah, that's you're right. Yeah, that's this it. is great. Yep. And then now they're just like, okay, what if we just started messing with it? And I'm like, okay, like keep going. Let's like let's see what else. Hopefully, we can get from you know more beat 'em ups because, yeah, they're just such a great way to you know con- catch up with folks. Like I, I'm I'm definitely I mean I would love to play with you sometime. Yeah, I'm definitely going to try to play with with Cam, uh, my my co-host, my optional co-host, and like. Uh, you know, just a way to just like catch up, talk, but also occasionally be like, "Oh shit, watch out! Watch out! <laughs> watch out for the bomb!" Uh, those the the bomb girls are my. Oh. Oh, they're so tough. I I love them as like characters. I, like, I love too. the way they look and stuff. But my god, they're they're tough to their, deal with. Their move set is so frustrating. I, I I I love it. I love it from a like a, a concept standpoint. I hate it when it happens to me. But just how they shove you back. I just yeah, like, I yeah. love that. It's so rude. Um, yeah. yeah, we got to hop on uh, soon and for play sure. that. Uh, I would love to do that. So, uh, yeah. thanks for catching up with me, Paul. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. Yeah. That's going to do it for this week's episode. I want to thank my guest, Steven Strom, for stopping by and talking about the Steam Deck. That was a lot of fun. And also, thank you to my wonderful producer, Paul Tamayo, both for our conversation and for all of your work on the back end of this great show. If you want to follow Steven on Twitter, you can do so over at Steven Strom. If you want to follow Paul, you can do so over at Polly Mayo. If you want to follow me, John Warren, uh, you can do so over at Floppy Adult. Uh, our main Twitter account for Fanbyte is at Fanbyte Media, of course. Fanbyte.com is where you can find all of our wonderful written content, including a piece about the new Streets of Rage survival mode, which I mentioned in our conversation with Paul. Uh, and also, you can find all of our great podcasts at podcastnet.org. We have a brand new podcast. It is called uh, Volume Slider, and you can find it on any podcatcher, but I have to tell you, it is optimized for Spotify. I know some people don't like Spotify. I get that. Uh, But the full experience, it is a video game music uh, podcast. Funky Joseph and Nikki Grayson talk about video game music, and you get to actually listen to full tracks if you're using the Spotify app. Uh, it is an amazing show. It's one of the best shows that we have on the network already. I'm super head over heels for it, so please go check that out. It's called Volume Slider. Uh, and until next week, folks, you're welcome. 